the Growth Happens Dawn to Dusk podcast with Matt Devitt. He talks with people about their journey, where they succeeded and failed to help others on their quest. We're all on a journey that starts and ends every day. This is when we grow between dawn and dusk. And now your host, Matt Devitt. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Growth Happens Dawn to Dust podcast. I am your host, Matt Devitt, bringing you another episode with a fantastic guest. This time, we've got Dr. Chris Cloney on talking about combustible dust. And what's interesting is we take a fun little tangent to talk about personal productivity. How does he stay productive? How does he stay engaged and sort out all of the many things that he has going on? So definitely stay tuned for that. It's a fun back and forth between technical topics on combustible dust and then also personal productivity. Really enjoyed my time with Chris. Before we get into it, if you guys are enjoying this, please share, like, subscribe, leave a five-star review. All of it really helps. Now, without further ado, let's just get right into it with Dr. Chris Cloney. So Chris, welcome to the Growth Happens Dawn to Dust podcast. Really happy to have you on. Definitely appreciate your time. Thanks, Matt. I'm really looking forward to it. Looking forward to, you know, talking through to your audience. So just for the audience out there, so Chris and I actually crossed paths in the the vast land of uh, LinkedIn. And this has to do with both of our professional backgrounds, me being in bag houses, dust collection, things of that nature, processes, and Chris being involved in dust, but a very, very different application for dust and and this is one of the the interesting things i think he's going to discuss when we get into this but chris if you would just for the audience uh give a little bit of a background as far as you know what you've been studying um you know not only just for what i know you about and all the work that you've been doing recently to promote combustible dust but um just you know that that elevator pitch background of yourself sure i mean um there's a there's a long version to this and there's a short version but um the elevator pitch one. I mean, today I am a, I own a independent research company that focuses on awareness and education around combustible dust safety. So, as uh, you know, as Matt mentioned, you have dust collection, you have actually making products, you have mixing, you have blending, you have all these different facets. The facet I'm interested in is uh, fire and explosion safety. So you think of health and safety as a kind of subset of, of powder handling. And then fire and explosion safety be a subset of that. So I I started a PhD in that area back in 2011. Uh, it's a long process, so I didn't finish till till last year, 2018. Um, but I actually started in 2011 as well as a, a research engineer looking at high explosives, detonation, blast. So I've been around the kind of energetic systems and high energy systems for quite a while, uh, which led to the PhD research, and that finished up last year. Um, and yeah, at some point in there, I started blogging about research in this area and, and today I own a, a research company. So I think that was a bit longer than the elevator speech, but I'll let you kind of pick where to, to dig in from there, Matt. No, that was good. I, I, I assume the elevator pitch is anywhere, you know, 13 floors to all the way to the top yeah, of right. what used to be called the, the Sears tower, which is now, you know, the Willis building out in Chicago. Um, so High energy materials, explosions, dust, things like that. That's what you're doing now. When did you kind of get yourself onto this path? I mean, you went right to PhD, but you know, you had to have a master's and a bachelor's in there. So 
along that path, when did you start going, hey, this is pretty cool? Or did you just watch enough like Michael Bay, big explosion movies? You're like, hey, I think I can make a business out of the safety side of explosions. Well, it's funny you say that. There's a the recent Denzel Washington movie, what is it? The Equalizer. The Equalizer 2, the closing scene actually has a big sugar dust um, explosion. So I'd oh, that's right. people listening to, to check that yep. out because it's kind of interesting to see that we're making mainstream. But I mean, how I got into it, uh, in 2011, I finished my undergraduate degree in mechanical engineering. Um, I did two, actually three co-op terms during my degree with a, a company here in Halifax specialized in software development and consulting, all related around, um, you know, explosions and detonation. So I was doing a lot of modeling work. I was creating software to, to simulate these things. And we would link up with research groups that do experiments and try to come up with things like how big are the fireballs or how much impulses, you know, put onto machines or onto equipment, that sort of stuff. So that was right out of my undergrad. I started with that company. I also started a, a master's degree at the same time. Um, and that was with a, a local person here in, in Halifax in Nova Scotia, in the eastern coast of Canada. Uh, and he was doing dust explosion research, experimentalist, um, and a lot on kind of human, let's say human factors, but human elements or, or, you know, safety as a general concept or general way of, of industrial activity. Uh, but I brought on the modeling side. So in 2011, I started my master's. In 2013, I'm um, after some you know, pretty successful years of the company with the, the master's I transferred into a PhD. So I did not actually get a master's degree here in, in my university. You were allowed to transfer. If you didn't write your dissertation, you could use that research towards your, your PhD if you met some you know qualifications and jumped through some hoops and successfully did that. So that was in 2013. Um, I actually left that company in 2016. So it was becoming readily apparent that I probably wasn't going to finish my PhD in the allotted 10 years that the university was going to give me um, just with, you know, working full time mm -hmm. plus hours. And I know, I know Matt works quite a bit as well. So not trying to do the PhD on top is just a lot. So yep. I, I left that in 2016. Um, and like I mentioned, I started kind of blogging about my research and I eventually built that into the research company that, uh, that we have today uh, that we incorporated last year in 2018. That's like my, my whole journey. Um, and how I got into the, the explosion side and now in, in kind of industrial activities with powder handling. So up until that point, I mean, did you really have much experience or exposure to, um, you know, explosions in general or, or at that point, or is it just something that, you know, back in your bachelor's degree days, the, it came up, it was interest. And since then it's just remained interesting to you all the way to present. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, so it's interesting that you ask that because there's parts of it that are, that I've, I've recently gotten into. So the industrial application side, I was much more on the research. So the physics, the chemistry, why do explosions happen? Um, you know, what makes one worse than another? Uh, what fuel is worse and, and that sort of stuff. So that was sort of 2011 through to 2017. That was, that was really my, you know, my life was, was that PhD research and that's what I was doing with the modeling work that the company I was working at. Um, so I was doing a lot there, but it wasn't until 2016, 2017 that I started saying, Hey, what's the impact in actual industries here? That's where I got into more, you know, looking at the standards and regulations that are put in place, looking at the guidelines, talking to people that are on the front lines, like you are, where you're, you're actually, you know, um, either building equipment or selling equipment into these powder handling operations and Hey, 
there's a big gap between these research conferences I'm going to around the world and the actual industrial application of this. I started trying to figure out how to close that gap. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Know, it's, it's, no, that, that, that's actually, it's really interesting because you started in one area and then it almost sounds like as you got a level of mastery on the research side, you, you step back and went, okay, how do I put this into work? Like where, where is the gap? You know, it's great to have a lot of knowledge, but if you can't act on it, is it really useful? And it sounds like you, you, you asked that question, maybe not as directly and looked around and said, well, industry doesn't have their act together on any of this stuff. So that's where I should help. Well, and I, I also realized that it's not a, I mean, I'm not going to change the world on my own, but if I can collect the right voices, so this, this is so the audience knows, I like, I have a podcast in the combustible dust space. I have a, a website, I have an instant database reporting system. One of the big things that's about is just making communication better between these groups. So if you have a research institution, I'm actually doing a call on, call tomorrow, actually looking at my schedule with a research institution out of Sweden that's doing dust explosion research. Well, it's probably pretty good if they can connect with us here in the States or, you know, other countries to, to put that research out there. So a big role of what I do with my company is how do we improve this communication between industry, between researchers, between government groups, between, um, you know, all these different players that are, that really go hand in hand to, to putting this type of safety in there. So it's a, it's more of a facilitation role. If you think of something like Malcolm Gladwell, it's the connector. That's yeah. uh, going out there and trying to, to connect these different people. Yep. Yeah. You're not only are you, do you reside as far as information, you know, residing with you, but you're also trying to be a node to, uh, to other points that actually have information as well. So yeah, that completely makes sense. Yeah. That was something interesting with Malcolm Gladwell is, is at least the perception I had when he was writing about it is you're kind of that third party that just makes a connection between two people. Whereas you're, you're actually both the expert as well as making the connection so that's a very novel place to be yeah with so as you've come through and you've developed these kind of things do you see any kind of recurring themes in the way that you have you know approached your professional growth and, and things of that nature that have really you know helped or just uh you know, i've been reviewing jim collins's book good to great um for fun you know that have really kept that flywheel going for you of learning and implementation yeah i mean i i do a lot of self-reflection on you know just just where am i in my life and where do i want to go and how can i make that happen uh, but one of the one of the big books that helped me early on was um was the miracle morning by hal elrod so he has this kind of system put in there i think it's lifesavers probably to remember but the s is for silence the a is for affirmations the b is for visualization e would be exercise r would be reading and s would be scribing maybe don't quote me on that but i think that's probably pretty close so mm -hmm. i started trying to put those different things into at least my mornings because back when i was working full-time and you know, trying to do the phd it was it, it was quite hectic uh just trying to get everything in but i always made sure I'm not one of these people that can sleep, you know, four hours a night, but right. I could probably do seven and I don't mind, you know, going to bed early. So it's all these days I'm up around five thirty, but it's I've been in times in my life where I'll be up at you know quarter to four. That gives you sort of that time to actually do some of these things. So I put a lot of that into what I do. Um recently I've been migrating from you know, crazy amount of whiteboards in my office to 
to taking those down and putting up some nice things. And I moved to sort of a bullet journaling system for, for tasks and projects organization. Um, I guess I could say, to, to be totally honest, I'm a, I'm sort of fanatic about, you know, personal productivity and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I read all the, the books, all the Brian Tracy books, all the personal self-organization. So I guess where's the kind of best spot to, to jump in, keeping in mind what, you know, we, we could be here all day talking about this stuff. Yeah, I just, so, you know, you talk about Brian Tracy and, um, and I've definitely come across some of his stuff in the past, but so, okay, let's say you were, you know, somebody walked into you, you know, bumped into you wherever, again, elevator pitch idea, bumped into you and, and just frazzled, can't seem to get their day or their week under control. Like, where would you suggest they start based on all your experience in these areas? If I don't know them. Um, the first thing you can do if, if you're in that position is, is breathe a little better, <laughs> to be totally honest. Um, you know, breathe a little deeper, breathe through your nose. Uh, that will immediately kind of calm your nervous system a bit and allow you to get in a place where maybe you could start to change some of those things. And it's a little bit underrated. People, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that I'm really great at it, but I have noticed a big difference that if I take time to actually, even right now, now that I, I take a couple breaths, it's like, okay, well, you know, I feel a little more calm. So. It's a small thing. It's a small adjustment you can make in your life, but learning to breathe a little better could just help you, you know, leaps and bounds down the road. So that'd be the first thing. Um, second thing is why are you, you know, why are you so frantic and hectic? And it's probably because there's a lot of things that are in your head rattling around. Uh, so there's a couple ways to get those out. Brian Tracy would say you need to write down a big list. Mary Kondo, which is the new big thing on on Netflix. Say so you got to take all the clothes out of your closet and throw them on the bed, but all those crazy ideas they have, you need to get them in one spot um, and just like look at them and you know almost bask in how big and scary it is to have all those different things. Then once you have them all in the open, then you start to okay, well this is the first thing I got to do. This is the second thing I got to do. These things I'm not going to be able to do, so let's you know stop worrying about them, take them off the table. Uh, so I mean those are some of the, the big things or something that's really frazzled to just sit down and you know start being a little bit calmer about what you're doing yeah that makes complete sense so it's interesting you bring up the breathing thing and i've heard this from other other people have brought this up before and i've really started to put this into play when i do any kind of um public speaking you know to an audience that's yeah. that's somewhat foreign to me and just last week i was at the the ieee pca conference um, gala dinner at the end. I'm handing out a meritorious service award. And it's one of those where, and, and I, feel, I have a feeling you're probably the same way. It's like, I don't not like talking in front of people, but I wouldn't willingly do it all the time. It's like, I'm very aware of the fact that this is somewhat outside of the norm and a little uncomfortable. And just by basically like the, a couple minutes before I went on stage, like all I did was breathing through my nose, some belly breathing. And yeah. I stepped on stage and it just, it flowed. Everything went the way I had planned. Like you, it's just, for some reason you get your body into the whole, like, Hey, this isn't a, this isn't fight or flight. This is cool. We're all okay. And, um, I've done that the last like three or four times I've had to, you know, give presentations regardless of size. And it's, it's been super helpful without a doubt. So I don't think it's woo woo at all. I think it's completely under discussed. Yeah, I would agree. And I mean, I, my my wife says it to me, right? I'll I'll finish work and come home and and be all stressed out. And she's like, okay, just take a second to breathe, and you breathe, and then you're like, oh well, 
oh, life's, life's not that bad. It's right. I'm, I'm home and it's another good day. And, you know, you got, you got a host or you're living in or, or whatever it is. Like it just helps. It's almost like a reset button. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, that's a good, it's a good starting place. I mean, it's not going to get you, raising's not going to get you through all the rest of your life, but it, it can calm your nerves for the, for the moment anyway. Yeah. And I think what it leads into is it was really your, your second point that I feel is, is really dead on hearing you say it out loud. It's, you know, get everything out so that you can see it. But even just below the surface on that, it's allowing people to understand like they control more than they actually think. I think it's why a lot of people panic is they, they feel they've lost control when really if they just chunked down the big problem they have into smaller sections. So like you said, you know, a bunch of ideas bounce around. All right, let's chunk that down into something manageable. One, let's just get them into the physical world, right? Write them down, do something like that. And then now, okay, now they're there and you can see them all in one spot. Now you have control. Which ones stay, what goes, you know, where do they go on the list? And so, yeah, I think that's very insightful, just allowing people to directly or indirectly get control of a situation, just like breathing, right? You breathe, you get your body back under control. It feels like, okay, I can own this. I've got it. Um, there's definitely a lot of uh, wisdom within that for sure. Well, then you have to, I think it's Brian Tracy. The book I'm thinking of is Getting Things Done. Um, okay. I think it's Brian Tracy, but it might be, maybe it's a different author. Um, but I mean, that's this whole, that's this whole system is, is anything that comes to you. I, so I, I use a, a practical way. Um, well, so the system is anything that comes to you needs to be externalized immediately or else it's just going to kind of fester up there. I do this and it kind of probably annoys my family and friends a bit, but I don't like if I have a thought like, oh, I got to take out the garbage on Thursday. Um, I, I have a separate Gmail account that I email every, every stupid little thing that comes in my head to. Um, it helps me be free. Now, I don't have a very good short term <laughs> memory because I immediately offload that work to a to a system that I know will work for me when I need to take the garbage out. So if my wife tells me something, you know, I'll I'll remember it when it's due, kind of just in time. But in, in, because I have a, a whole computerized system, it's going to tell me about it. But I, I, you know, I probably won't remember it in the middle or if she asked me for an update on it or something because, you know, I've, I've purposely externalized that so that I can live a little less frazzled. And it doesn't always work, but I would definitely recommend that, that process, getting things done. Um, it's a pretty comprehensive system. So just pick and take what works for you. For me, first, which is just capture every idea you have and externalize it, uh, you know, really, really kind of work to get things out of my head. Have you found that helped to get the things out of your head? You look it over and the things that you kind of, you know, uh, for whatever pun you want to use, you know, push to the back burner or, you know, set aside or shelve. Um, have you found that helpful that you kind of, since they were already out there, you, you know, when the moment is right and they seem to be a better idea at that time, they're easier to bring forward because they're already kind of out in the real world as opposed to, you know, buried somewhere. Yeah, I like this. I like this conversation because it's a lot of neat things that I pulled in the last couple of years. So I wish I could find. I can't find on my bookshelf here this getting thing done, getting things done book. Um, but I created a sort of a, a simplified version of it that I just call capture, sort, do. So capture is my email, in the sense that I any thought I have, I email to myself. And I use some Gmail tools to kind of send those around mm-hmm. um, when they need to be. But so capture is the first part, but sort and do. So what you're talking about is really the sort part. So you have all this stuff now, and at some frequencies you need to go through and sort it. Okay, what's important, what's not important? Um, 
and then actually do the things that you that you you know are important. So I find it helps tremendously. It's like I come back to this Netflix. I think I want to say Marie Kondo, but I may not be saying her name right. But she makes you clean up your house. But the first thing she does is you take everything. Like if you're cleaning up your clothes, you take every piece of clothing you own, you put it on the bed, and look at it, and it's just like there it is. There's everything that you you own. It's it's almost a little bit overwhelming. Where ideas and thoughts and tasks and projects, it's the same thing, right? Those are all the things you own mentally that are in your head. If you can get them out and place them, then you can kind of go, okay, well, this one, you know, I really have a sentimental attachment to this one. I think I'll keep it. So I, oh, I, I really would like to have that one done. So maybe this gets slotted in here. Well, that, you know, the, the, the goal of being able to do, I don't know, a hundred pushups. Well, is that something that I really care about right now? Or would I rather spend, you know, time with my child or something? So getting all that out there allows you to sort it and then, and actually go ahead and do the things that you, you say you're going to do at the end of the day. Um, yeah, so I couldn't agree more that getting that out there, externalizing it gives you then the, the ability to even be able to start to sort through that stuff. If you're trying to do it in your head, you'll, you'll really struggle over time, or at least I really struggled over time. Yeah, I completely agree. So what were those three comments or the three boxes that you have? Um, capture, sort, do. Okay. I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole system in getting things done that's pretty complicated, but that was my, my abridged version. Capture any thoughts, externalize them sort them so i usually do daily sorting and sometimes even multi, like interday and then you know do a big weekly sort at the end of the week a big monthly sort at the end of the month a big yearly sort would be kind of your planning your yearly planning um and then do so pick one thing and do it you know try to do six things at once just pick the one thing you gotta do next and then go ahead and do that yep yep exactly exactly so you've used all these tools throughout the years to get you to where you are now, which is, you know, running a, a independent research group. One of the things I, and I was going to ask you this, regardless of when we started the uh, the conversation here, because I knew you did modeling, but have you actually been to see explosions based on things you've modeled? You know, I, I, I just, I would assume if you're modeling the explosion, half the fun is watching the thing go boom in real life. More, more of the last number of years. I mean, I did a bit back in the, Back in my early career, be more I would get the reports with the videos, maybe and the the pictures. I wouldn't go on site because we're up here in, in Nova Scotia. There's there's not it's not that densely populated, but it's not um, undensely populated enough that you can do explosion tests. Gotcha. Yep. So I'd I'd be looking at reports and stuff. But you know, last number of years, I I've got to be more involved with large scale demos, and um, you know, I've, I've seen everything from um, container ships or a container or the the big container storage silos um being blown up for propane in the hills of norway to uh kansas city with the like testing center down there and the, the kind of medium scale testing they're doing to laboratory benchtop testing that we're, we're doing at the university here in halifax and, and elsewhere so there's kind of all these different scales i have i've got to see more of it i mean the still the best videos that you can find are, are generally mythbusters um do you see a high High explosive detonated there you get to see the they may they don't normally point it out but if you look closely enough you can see the shock waves bouncing yep. off and you can see how they're they're uh you know they with the the camera aperture i guess you can see this kind of thin line that's mm -hmm. the that's a pressure wave around uh depends on depends on if it's a high explosive or you know, a dust explosion but um 
multiples of, of atmospheres pressure wave that causes something like that, sometimes up to hundreds or thousands. Uh, it's, the physics are really neat to, to kind of dive into, but those are those are really good videos. And then, you know, some of the other research groups do do good research too. Yeah, I think one of the the a, a more interesting video I saw was back in my college days in a safety class where it was a and they it was a video they done on purpose, so it wasn't an accident. But they wanted to show off the explosive nature of a levy explosion, uh, yep. boiling liquid expanding vapor explosion. That was the craziest thing ever to see that pressure wave like rocket across the desert where they had done it. It was unreal. Just the amount of energy that was in just this, this just this tanker car before it exploded. And then all the liquid went instantly gaseous. And then all the gaseous actually exploded after that. So you had like two explosions going on at that time. It was it was it was pretty cool as far as explosions yeah. go from my standpoint. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I like that stuff because I, like I mentioned, I started in the physics and chemistry, so it's, it's a bit about, you know, what are the what are the mechanics of what's going on there. Um, unfortunately, explosions are actually kind of hard to do in experimental lab or at least large scale ones because they mm -hmm. they don't tend to behave the way you thought they would. <laughs> yeah, that's and I'm assuming that's even true. Um, when I've spoken to people that uh, look at like fire suppression systems, they're like, yeah, you may think it will go that way, but um, you know, they never like to anthropomorphize it, but they're like, it is a, a living, breathing entity. You know, you have to kind of think of it and respect it in that nature. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, certainly. So what is, you know, as we're getting close to the end of this, and I, and I appreciate your work with my schedule, this is going to be a little shorter than normal. Um, but again, what are, what is like one or two things that you would like to leave let's say person who's in industry or is around dust and they think it might be you know potentially explosive or something like that what is something that they should be top of mind in either designing that system or working around it like what are the you know the one or two things that that you think about real quick when you hear somebody go hey i'm working around something that's you know potentially explosive you know like a grain silo or um is designing a system for that like what are the first two or three things that come to mind yeah, I mean the, the first thing is just to be aware of what you're you're doing and what you're handling. And a lot of the times, when you see a large scale, high severity um, issue happen, and we'll call it an incident, might even be a disaster, depending on you know, or a catastrophe. I don't. I I use the word incident a lot in my work, and mm -hmm. um, I wonder if that's a severe enough word for for some of the things that we see. But that's a that's a whole different topic. Uh, but the first, you know, in a lot of those cases, people don't even aren't even aware that the material they're handling was um, was explosive. So I think of a case of a rubber dust explosion a couple of years ago, um, and there's a really terrifying video with the the sur sole survivor. Uh, I think it's on Fox News. I'm probably pull up a link if you want to put it in the show notes. But um, he didn't know his, his his the rubber dust he was handling was explosive. Uh, what actually happened was there's a fire in in their I think maybe in their dust collector room or in the control room. Um, and he, he went in the room, closed the door, and there's just this little small fire on top of on top of this piece of equipment. And he just brushed it with his hand. Um, and the whole room went up in flames. Uh, and he was in a coma for six months, I think, uh, and you know severely burned over very large portions of his body. Couldn't get out of the room. So like really scary stuff. But so the thing that the thing that kind of in this video that hit me the hardest there's a lot of things that hit me hard but at the very end he says you know i 
I, I didn't realize that it was a, a you know an explosion hazard. Um, but he also didn't blame his company in the sense that he I think they did end up maybe going after someone, but it wasn't you know it wasn't his boss or his company or the rubber handling company that he was even upset about because he he basically said well they didn't know it either. It was like the whole like where does the kind of buck stop and somebody should somebody should know. And right. I'm not saying it's the company's fault either, but, um, you know, so there's a big education rule. I'm trying to fill some of that there. So that's the first thing. You just know what you're handling. Uh, you you need to educate yourself about it a lot. We also really would be helpful to bring somebody in that has experience. Um, and the reason is that you've only seen your facility. These things happen, you know, this is another thing I don't like about our areas. We say that they're very infrequent. Although if you're operating under certain conditions, there's almost a guarantee that it will happen. Um, just a question of when. Uh, but the the thing that the point that we make out is you're only you only see your facility, and you know you come attuned to it, you become accustomed to it, and it may not seem like a big deal. But if you bring in somebody from the outside, um, I don't offer consulting services, by the way. So this is not a pitch. Um, I know people that can do this for you if you want, but I this is not my what I do for my business. I'm a research company. Uh, but they see, you know, hundreds of plants that are similar to yours, that are doing the same thing as yours, um, and they've seen every variation of it. So bring somebody in from the outside, get a fresh perspective, a fresh set of eyes that can really start to to analyze in a different way than if you're just trying to look from the inside out. Uh, I think there's a good quote I like to like to say is that you can't read the label from inside the jar. So if you're really close to it, you can't you can't actually see what the heck's going on because you can't can't read a label. You're you're stuck inside the you know the mason jar. So those would be the two big things I'd say is you need to know the risks that you're dealing with, um, that they they can and and under certain conditions they they will happen. Um, it's just a matter of when, not not if. And you know bring somebody in that has has experience and you're in this area to help you figure out what you should be doing. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And that's the first one is you know that's true for you know really any item out there is uh you know even though i let in with some of the examples of already knowing that but you know that's a that's a probably a bad assumption to make that most people even know that what they're dealing with is explosive or not you know and then what do you deal with it from that standpoint so yeah those are both great great points um and i do like that phrase it's hard to read the label from inside the jar i will definitely have to use that sometime in the future i can i can feel i'm going to use that sometime this week i just don't know where feel free so uh, it's a good one yeah no it's definitely a good one i was uh i do like picking up uh quotes from people like that so that's definitely very uh very appropriate for certain situations without doubt so as we wrap this up where can people learn more about what you're doing chris connect with you out there on the vast interwebs where would you like to direct them to find out more about you and the research that you're doing yeah, I mean, you can find me on LinkedIn, just Chris Cloney. Um, DustSafetyScience.com is my the, the home for my research company. So if you're interested in combustible dust, if you want to know more about the hazards of combustible dust or solutions to fix those problems, who you should reach out to, um, that sort of thing, that's all there. Uh, we do a lot of educational material, a lot of awareness material. Again, trying to bring different groups together to, and our goal is, is zero fatalities, to have a year with zero fatalities worldwide over the next 20 years in this area. Um, there's some hurdles. Is that measurable? Can it be done? <laughs> uh, is it obtainable? And, you know, if we built into a database in order to start answering those questions, can we measure this? Is it actually 
possible to obtain. And we're coming up with some ideas on how to attack, attack those problems. Um, but that's where you can find me, like muscle.safetyscience.com. When I connect with me, just generally, you can find me on LinkedIn as, as, as Chris Cloney, C-L-O-N-E-Y. Fantastic. And I'll put all that stuff in the show notes so people can click away and connect with you that way. But Chris, I definitely appreciated your time. I definitely feel a part two where, uh, you know, again, I'll uh, work much harder to make sure my schedule fits yours. And, uh, you know, we can spend a good, you know, hour plus um, just seeing where the conversation goes, but really appreciate your insight into you know, just basically task management and staying productive as well as what is going on in the world of combustible dust. So thank you very much for your time. It was awesome. I appreciate it. You're a busy guy, but uh, I'm excited to see this stuff come out and, and I'm excited to be a listener to the to the shows as they come out as well. And I'd be more than happy to come back on. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And I'm sure we'll be in touch, my friend. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, bye. Many thanks again for Chris and his time. I truly enjoyed all of the information that he had, everything from combustible dust and how to be safe out in heavy industry through how does he actually sort through all of the ideas that are bouncing around in his head, coordinating a research facility across different continents, and just overall focusing on getting good information out to the public to be safe. Really enjoyed my time. Definitely, you guys should check him out. I'll have his links and information down in the show notes before. If you want to follow me, those links will be in the show notes as well. But you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter as well as see what I'm talking about from a business standpoint over at LinkedIn. So once again, I hope you guys are enjoying this. If it's adding a lot of value, please leave a comment, share, like, send it over to somebody else that this might be helpful with. But as I say with most of my episodes, remember, everybody, growth happens between dawn and dusk. Mm-hmm.